Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to talk about the gospel. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast, where we believe that marriage was meant for more than just happily ever after. I'm Jennifer, also known as Unveiled Wife. And I'm Aaron, also known as Husband Revolution. We have been married for over a decade. And so far, we have four young children. We have been doing marriage ministry online for over seven years through blogging and social media. With the desire to inspire couples to keep God at the center of their marriage, encouraging them to walk in faith every day. We believe that Christian marriage should be an extraordinary one, full of life, love, and power that can only be found by chasing after God. Together. Thank you for joining us in this journey as we chase boldly after God's will for our life together. This is Marriage After God. Hey friends, thanks for joining us with another episode of the Marriage After God podcast. Uh, We're just so excited to have you. This is going to be a great episode today. Um, But before we get into the topic, we want to invite you to take our marriage prayer challenge. It's completely free and it's 31 emails that we're going to send you over the next month, reminding you and giving you prompts every day to be praying for your spouse. All you got to do is go to marriageprayerchallenge.com and sign up. Either you choose the husband prayer challenge or the wife prayer challenge. Again, it's completely free, marriageprayerchallenge.com. And uh, I'd love it if you'd join the hundreds of couples that have already gone through it um, and be blessed by that. So Jennifer, why don't you uh, let everyone know what we're going to be talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, you already shared by saying the gospel, but gosh, the gospel is so powerful and so beautiful and so rich. And so um, I I just want to start off by saying this is and will remain our most important episode on the Marriage After God podcast. And I'm actually surprised that we haven't done it yet. Um, But it's just, it's it's foundational to our faith and to what Aaron and I do um, for Marriage After God. And for all of you listening, it's it's the foundation of um, everything that we believe. And so we are sharing this with you today. And um, if you're listening and you're a born-again believer, then we hope this message will reaffirm your faith and just remind you of what your Savior has done for you. Um, something that, you know, Christians, we, we, we cannot neglect to revisit anyways. Um, and if you're not saved and you're hearing this message today, well, we just pray that it would transform your life and, um, and, and draw you so close to God um, and, and reconcile your heart to God. Um, and uh, please, if, if this message does touch you in any way, uh, feel free to reach out to Aaron and I. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but either way, no matter where you are in life, we pray that this episode, the gospel, touches your heart today. Um, it means a lot to us to be able to share it with you. And so we're just praying for 
um, for God to move through this episode. And um, yeah, why don't you take it from there? Yeah, this is not going to be a very long episode. Uh, I mean, there's infinite depth to the gospel, uh, but there's also um, uh, infinite uh, simplicity Mm -hmm. to to the gospel. Um, So, we could overcomplicate it, and we can't complicate it enough. <laughs> it's both. But um, today we wanted to simplify it for you. We want to simplify it, and there's a reason we want to simplify it. And um, I don't know about you. I'm going to be a little vulnerable here, but um, I've been a Christian for a very long time. Um, not as long as most, um, but um, I I became a Christian when I was 17 and a half, and now I'm 35. You you were also raised in a Christian home. So I was you raised knew in God. a Christian home, so I knew God. Um, but it wasn't until maybe three years ago that I could actually fully verbalize the gospel, Mm -hmm. which is really crazy because I grew up in church um, and I'm sure I've heard it. I mean, I had to have because I'm saved. Mm -hmm. So at some point I understood the gospel and it transformed me and it it, um, began that process of sanctification in my life. But it wasn't until a few years ago that I was, because I remember thinking like, I don't, feel confident in telling someone the gospel, like what it is, like what the gospel is that like boiled down to its, its core pieces. And, uh, so I, I began to study it and be, be discipled and, and it, you know what, knowing what the gospel is, the core principles of the gospel, man, there's so much power in it and how it transforms us. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but we just want to share with our listeners, the gospel, the core mm-hmm. of the gospel and why it's so important. So um, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> you know, we've all heard the gospel, right? Like if you're a believer, you're like, yeah, I must have heard the gospel. Um, but there's there's um, pieces of it I don't think we hear often enough. So we're going we're gonna to talk about those pieces. Um, the gospel means a teaching or revelation of Christ, or it means an announcement of good news. Have you ever heard like, you know, the gospels, the good news of Jesus Christ? Uh, That's essentially the simplest way of saying what the gospel is. Um, And I just, a a little side note, when you hear about the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mm -hmm. uh, those are the accounts of Jesus by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so that's why they call them the gospels. So it's who he was and what he did. (laughs) Right. But that's not the, the story of what Jesus did isn't necessarily the full gospel, the thing that saves us. Mm. That was a story about Jesus fulfilling the prophecies and why he's the gospel. And then we, when you read through it, the whole Testament, you get the fuller picture mm. of what the gospel is. And Paul even calls it the mystery of the gospel, um, the mystery of Christ, which is an amazing thing. And so I'm just going to boil this down into its simplest terms for everyone of what is the gospel. And you know what? I hope that believers will take this and be feel, feel more confident when they sit down with someone that's unsaved and say, Hey, this is it. This is what, this is what I believe. And this is what's changed me. And it starts with this. God created man. <laughs> okay. There we go. God created man. And we find that in Genesis, you know, the first two chapters of Genesis, we learn about God creating everything. Mm-hmm. And I know there are some people out there that uh, believe Genesis is an allegory. It's not real. It's a story. I believe the Bible is true. And I believe 
that Genesis is true. I believe that God created the world in six days. I believe that he created man from the dust, that he breathed his life into him, that he made us in his image, because it tells us he did that. Mm-hmm. It says, let us make man in our image. God even speaks of himself in, in, a, in a multiple person because he's, ta- he's talking in the Trinity. It's one of the first points we hear of the Godhead, the you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're made in his image. He created us. We are his. We are his creation. We are not God's. We're not little gods. We are man, and he made us. It starts there. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that, Jennifer? Um, just no. Just simple. <laughs> just simple, right? We're, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't think that, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. That's fine. <laughs> so the, the, the thing I want to just bring out is um, for the people that do doubt whether Genesis is true or not, all I believe is, all I can say is, I don't want to believe in a God. I can't believe in a God that's not powerful enough to create everything in six days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he either is or isn't. I believe he did. So anyways, God created man. Starts there. So we have man, we're created, we're in his image. The next part of this, man sinned. This is kind of the part that we all we all relate to, right? <laughs> yes. But I also think it's the part that we forget. So we relate to it like, oh, we're all sinners. We're all, you know, the whole, like, we're just human. Like, that's where we get this from is the idea is that we're fallible. We sin, but it started with one man or one woman, I should say. She sinned and then caused her husband to sin. And through Adam and Eve, all men are sinners. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're born and like you actually could, you know, well, I didn't sin. So I I might have moved. No, no. You are born into a sin nature that we adopted from our forefathers, Adam and Eve. We're we're sinners. So jumping into some scripture here, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just some, not just the bad ones. Yep. (laughs) The nice ones aren't off the hook. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to, I want to, amplify this because this, this, I think this is the part of the, this is the part of the gospel that I forgot. Um, because we, we get, we play this, this game of like, well, we're all sinners. And like, you know, we're never going to not be sinners, like until we're in heaven, but to realize what it means to be the sinner in this equation, it's not like, well, I I only sinned a little bit. And, you know, so I'm not that I only like said a couple lies and at least I didn't murder someone. At least I didn't. Mm. Right. But when when you when Jesus comes onto the scene into in the New Testament, he says things that take all of our concepts of sin and throw them out the window. He says even the righteousness you do are as filthy rags. Jesus says if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Jesus says if you look upon a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in her heart. It's no longer look and don't touch, as a lot of people like to say. It was you've already touched when you looked. Mm. And so he takes the he takes the sin from the action and shows us what it, where it truly existed in the heart, mm-hmm. because the sin nature is there. So whether or not I've physically murdered someone, I am capable, and it is in my heart to do so. And that's what God is coming to redeem that broken sinful nature. Whether I have actually committed the act or not, I am already opposed to God in my heart, at the core of who I am. And I, we, this is why the gospel is so amazing because this is who we are. We are the sinner. We are the man who is opposed to God. And this is what Romans 1.18 says about the, the sinner. Okay, it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and 
unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Hmm. So the gospel starts at, I am man and not God, Mm -hmm. and I am a sinner under the wrath of God, Mm -hmm. deserving his wrath. I deserve it. I can't say God's unjust. Romans even says that. No, God is fully just. We talked about this in another episode, last episode, actually. And his justice needs to be met out because I am a sinner. And if I stand in the courtroom, I deserve judgment. There's no way around it. There's no lawyer good enough to get me off the hook. I am in, and not just me, but if you can, if you, if I said, if you're a, if you are part of the, of the, the race of man, (laughs) raise your hand. Mm -hmm. We all deserve it. Mm -hmm. We deserve the wrath of God because God is perfectly just and perfectly holy. And we are perfectly unholy. We are, we do not by anything we do deserve anything God gives us other than his wrath and justice. So that's, that's the bad news of the good news, right? <laughs> so I want to, I just wanted to bring that up is that there's two parts to this without the bad news, there can be good, no good news. And without the good news there or with the good news, you have to recognize that there's a bad news. Mm-hmm. We need the good news because of the bad news. So the good news is that we've been given a way out from under God's wrath. That's the good news. That's the good news. People, listen, this is why when we tell someone the gospel, it starts with them believing the first two parts, that they were created by God, which means that they give reverence to the the creator. They say, oh, I believe in a creator. That's the beginning. Mm -hmm. The second part is, we've all sinned. I also believe that what the creator says about me is true. I am a sinner. Mm -hmm. Which leads to the third part, I can accept, I want to accept the good news that instead of the wrath that I deserve, God sent his son to die for me. As payment. As payment, because remember, God's just. We talked about this in the last episode. Hey, Marriage After God family. Uh, We wanted to take a short moment to let you know about an organization that we believe in and support. Did you know that there are more than 4 million victims of sex trafficking globally? And 99% of those are women and children. As a Christian and as a father, this truth breaks my heart. What if those were my children? What if that was my wife? Thank God there are Christ-centered organizations out there that are making a difference. Destiny Rescue is an international recognized Christian nonprofit organization dedicated to rescuing children trapped in exploitation and the sex trade. Their vision is to rescue the sexually exploited and enslaved, restore the abused, protect the vulnerable, empower the poor, and be a voice for those who can't speak up for themselves. They currently work in seven countries around the world and have celebrated over 4,000 lives rescued from the evils of sex exploitation. Destiny Rescue has operations in Thailand, Cambodia, the Dominican Republic, and the Philippines, India, and other locations that remain undisclosed for security purposes. Since 2011, they've been working tirelessly to free children from exploitation around the world. They have helped keep hundreds more from entering the sex trade through the various prevention programs, ensured justice for those who have been wronged, and raised awareness to untold numbers. My family supports Destiny Rescue on a monthly basis, and we want to invite you to join us in saving and protecting children from this wicked industry. Visit destinyrescue.org today and become a monthly partner with us. Thank you. Someone has to pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. And God loves us so much that he doesn't wish that any of us would bear the full weight of his punishment, his judgment. Mm -hmm. And so he did something incredible. 
he did, he took it on himself. Um, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Again, um, we, we just been going through the Chronicles of Narnia and I just keep thinking of Aslan going and taking on the, the, what was owed to Edmund and he goes and sacrifices himself for him. And that was a deliberate picture of Christ going to the cross to bear, not just the physical death that we deserve, but also the spiritual death. It says that he was separated from God on the cross. And that's what we deserve. It's not just a physical death death we deserve. Yes, in our flesh, we deserve death and wrath, but we also deserve to be eternally separated from the Father in heaven because light has no fellowship with darkness. Our unholiness, our unrighteousness cannot be in the presence of God. Mm. So the bad news I'll start with the news. We are created in God's image. We are created. We're man. God created us. The bad news, because of Adam, we are all sinners and deserve the wrath of God. We are unholy. We are unrighteous. And we're under the wrath of God without the good news, which is God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins, to bear, the bur- to bear our burden, to bear our reproach as a propitiation which essentially means like a, a replacement. He took our place. Mm-hmm. And he could do it because he was 100% God. He was also 100% man, but he was perfect. Yeah. He was sinless. So the Bible tells us that Jesus, who was fully man and fully God, was able to bear the penalty for man because he was a man. Mm-hmm but without sin. So Jesus did, and the Bible even calls Jesus the second Adam. Mm -hmm. Jesus did what Adam couldn't. Adam couldn't walk in righteousness before a holy God. Jesus did for us. He came and fulfilled for us every requirement that we were supposed to fulfill, but couldn't in our flesh. Jesus did it, which is why he has the name that is above all names, which is why he's at the right hand of the Father, which is why his enemies and the world has been made a footstool for him. He is glorified. He is good. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So Jesus Christ, who we call our Lord and Savior, he gave up his life as an atonement for our sin and by his power resurrected three days later. Which is the other part of the good news. That's the power. <laughs> this is the power. Yeah. So there's not just the, the we're, we're mortal men, we're sinners. A holy God saves us. And then it doesn't just end there. No. He resurrects. Mm-hmm. And it, the Bible tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead will also bring life to our mortal bodies. Mm. And it also, what Jesus tells us that if he goes away, he's going to send us a helper. He sends us the Holy Spirit. So there's not just the good news and like, oh, we're, we're redeemed. We're made right before God because that's what Christ did. He came to reconcile man to the Father. So we now, as once sinful men, are now made righteous mm-hmm. and can actually have a relationship directly with God not through a mediator like a, a an earthly priest but through the perfect priest Jesus Christ and we're going to we're going to get to some scripture on that in a second um but he raised again on the third day 
which means we also are raised with him. That's the, that's the picture of baptism. We die with him. We go into the water. We come out of the water. We raise with him in new life. And so now we have new life. We have a new nature and an old body, which is where sanctification comes in. And that process begins the moment of salvation. We begin being sanctified in the spirit of God. That's the spirit that God gives us is his spirit. It's his power. It's his authority living in us, giving us the ability to actually obey him Mm -hmm. and walk with him. We could not do it before. We were slaves to unrighteousness. We were slaves to sin. But now we can actually practice righteousness as 1 John tells us and be righteous Mm -hmm. because we have a holy God living in us, making it possible for us to do it. And so we have some scriptures that tell us how we are saved. So in Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, it says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so this sounds like it could be just mean like, oh, Jesus is Lord, boom, done. It, there's a, there's a, this, is, this is actually like really rich. Confess, that word confess is actually like a perpetual confession. Like my, continual. My mouth continues to say through all of my words mm-hmm. and actions, Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. It's not just like I've used words one time in my life. Um, no, my, my mouth perpetually confesses Jesus is Lord. And then that part where it says Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. Lordship means something. It's not just a word we say like, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord. No, it means Jesus is my Lord. And if he's my Lord, then I am his servant. And if he's Lord, then he gets the say on everything, right? So mm-hmm. if, if one confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes, which belief is the only thing we have to offer God, <laughs> is our belief, which means, God, what you have said, going back to this idea of God created everything, created me even, mm-hmm. I have to believe that I am created in his image, that God created me, that what God said in his word is true. So belief is the beginning of everything. So if I believe what God has said, and I believe in God, then I'm going to trust in what He said. That's where, that's where it starts. It's not just like, oh yeah, I believe in God and then have no care for anything he said. I don't actually believe in God mm-hmm. because if I believed in God and he just told me that I'm under his wrath and I deserve eternal separation and I'm a sinner and I, right, then I'm gonna be like, whoa, well, what's the answer? Help me, I, yeah. I believe you. I'm like, okay, give me my, give me the, like, I believe what you said is true. Then he's in it. You're, we're also gonna believe what he tells us about his son, Jesus, like think that's a, that's incredible mm-hmm. belief. So it's, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So you not only do you believe that Jesus came and that God, that Jesus was God and that he died on a cross, but all the way through to the fulfillment of he was raised from the dead, mm-hmm. which means we get raised with him in new life. So that's, that's just one of the, the scriptures. Ephesians 2.8 talks about it as well. Uh, you should dig into those scriptures. Oh, I have it right here. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. Remember, faith is the action of belief. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. 
So what's the gift of God? It's the grace of salvation. (laughs) So when people say like, we just need more grace, oh, God's grace is going to cover you. The grace that God gave us, his name is Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no more grace that God could give than his son, Jesus. There's nothing greater than that. There's no greater grace. So if you're looking for more grace than what he already gave you on the cross, you will not find it. You will be disappointed, which is sad because what Christ did, God dying for a, for man, mm-hmm. a sinful man, is an insanely incredible thing. Yeah, and um, at the end of that verse there um, in Ephesians 2 eight, it says that it is the gift of God. And I'm just thinking like this picture in my mind, you know, of when you give someone a gift, they receive it from you, mm-hmm. and, you know, with all humility and gentleness and they, they receive it humbly and humbly yeah. to themselves. And I see this just really beautiful picture of reconciliation that, um, you know, grace isn't just something that happens to all of us. Like it's something that it's a gift that we get to receive. And it's a very personal mm-hmm. gift that God gives and um, receiving it requires action on our part to mm-hmm. accept exactly what you're saying, uh, but belief of what God has said, who we are and what he did for us. Yep. And then bring him that word belief again. If we believe what God said, then we're going to believe what his son has said, because Jesus himself says, I am the way and the truth mm-hmm. and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Mm-hmm. There are no other ways. Yeah. There's not many ways lead to God. There's one way Mm -hmm. that leads to a relationship with God. I will say this, a part of the bad news, there are many ways that will bring you to the the throne of God, but only one's going to bring you as a child. (laughs) It's through Jesus. Um, The other ways is judgment because you've chosen to take the wrath of God rather than his gift of salvation. Again, the bad news with the good news. Um, so I want to talk about Romans for a second because we've been using Romans a lot. Um, something I just learned about Romans that I really love. I read it for I read it over and over and over again, and and it's essentially the gospel, mm-hmm. the whole book of Romans. The first half of it is who we are without Christ. The second half of it is who we are with Christ. So the end of Romans seven is kind of like this tipping point in, in Romans where he's going through, Paul's telling the, the church in Rome um, who we are before Christ. And at the end of it, he gets to verse 24. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And a lot of people have used that to say like, see, see Paul struggled and, and look where, you know, I, I'm just here and I'm still having this. But that's not what he's saying because the very next verse says this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he says like, Oh, wretched man that I am without Christ, who can Mm -hmm. save me from this body? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he gives this precursor. He says, so then I myself in my flesh serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And he's showing the, the contrast of he desires in his mind, but didn't have the capability in his flesh. And then in verse, and then the very first verse of chapter nine or of chapter eight, this is what we get. It's so incredible because he, he just talks about this whole thing of like the wrath that we deserve and, and, and uh, who we are without Christ. And then he says this in chapter eight, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit 
of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteousness, the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's the gospel. So we have this. So if you want to like get a really in-depth look into the gospel, Romans chapter one through seven essentially give us the picture of the man without Christ. Romans eight through the end of the of Romans, I think it's sixteen, gives us the picture of who we are in Christ and what we can now do in Christ mm. because of what Christ did. I love the way you broke it down in the the two, you know, who we are as people under the wrath and why we need a savior, but then who we are in Christ because of what he did yeah. for us. Um, but this will be funny for some people who maybe grew up like I did, but we heard the Romans road over and over yeah. and over again. And it's just those handful of verses that lead you through Romans that are the gospel, but you're absolutely right. Romans is a great place to, um, to dive in deep. And the other thing I realized about Romans so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, letter to the Romans. Mm-hmm. Acts is essentially the, an extension of Luke. So it's Luke and then Acts. It's almost like it should be the gospel of Luke 1 and the gospel of Luke <laughs> 2. Uh, so we have the gospels, and then we have the Acts of the Apostles, so the beginning of the church, and then boom, the very first epistle in the New Testament from Paul is Romans, which is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And what's awesome about that is Paul was the first one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. He was God's instrument to bring the gospel to us. <laughs> and it's the first epistle in the New Testament. Boom, Romans. It's like you, you read the gospels, who's Jesus? Oh, what did the apostles do? Let's, the power is coming, the spirit's coming. Boom, here's the gospel written in, <laughs> in like 16 chapters. And he also starts out in Romans 1, Verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Yeah, because the gospel came first to the Jews. Yeah, and here comes Paul. And then boom, he's (laughs) like, now I'm going to give it to the Gentiles. So that's the gospel, in in essence. I mean, there's like I said, there's infinite depth to the gospel and the power and, and this Holy Spirit and how it works and what it does in our life. But As Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who, again, that word believes like, oh, I'm going to say what I'm going to believe what God said is true. Mm -hmm. So his words are my words. Uh, And so the question is, if we believe wrong, as our pastor Matt always said, if you believe wrong, you'll never live strong. If your beliefs are not in order, if we have the gospel off. Like if we have the gospel off, we if we think we're still the same person before we found Christ as we are with Christ, which is something I believed, we're off. And we won't be able to walk in the spirit as Paul encouraged us to do in Romans 8. Okay, why don't you unpack that a little bit and explain for them what do you mean when you say you you found Christ, but you were walking the same. So sanctification is a beautiful thing. God's patient. He's kind. He's loving. He's like a good father. Like when I look at my children and they're young and they're, they're infants and they're toddlers and they're, they're young kids, they're learning. And we've just learned this. We have to repeat stuff a million and a half times to them. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. And that's how God sees us. We're children. So the, there's, there's still his mercy and his patience with us. But even though I was a believer 
and I was in my word and I was praying and I was doing all the Christian things and I was, I truly love God. I had some misunderstandings about him. And because of those misunderstandings about God, I wasn't walking in victory in certain areas of my life Mm. because I believed wrong Um, with my porn addiction. I legitimately believed I was still enslaved to pornography. I would say things like it happened to me again, or I fell into this thing. Like it, like it's something happening to me. Like I didn't have any control over it. Well, we also talked in the beginning of this episode, how belief is so powerful and you actually believe that you would never be saved from something like that. Internally, I never said it out loud, but internally, I truly believed it would never go away. I thought maybe I would have a few months of freedom and then I would mess up or uh, maybe a year and mm-hmm. then I would have a relapse. Or I, I literally believed it was something that would be with me forever, which is from the enemy. And it's also a wrong belief of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because if the gospel's true, then what else is true? Okay, so the Bible tells us that I'm free from the bonds of sin and death. So what that means is that quote unquote bondage that I'm in is no bondage at all. Now, does that mean I'm not tempted? No, I'm totally tempted. (laughs) Does that mean that it's not difficult? No, it's totally difficult. I, I spent years in this addiction. But what it does mean is I am 100% free, which also means that I'm making a choice every single time. Either I'm choosing to dip in or I'm choosing to walk in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally was revealed that just the truth of the full gospel, that I am free indeed, that I am no longer a slave to sin. That doesn't mean I can't choose to sin. I'm just not enslaved to it. Mm. It has no control on me. It is not, I'm not in chains. I'm not in a prison. I'm not in a dungeon. The gospel has set me free, just like the word of God says it has. I need to believe it. And I need to walk in it. The Bible tells me that with every temptation, God will give a way of escape so that we will be able to. So it says it right here in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So all temptations are common. So it's, it's, it's normal to be tempted. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is temptation. I know you stopped there to explain that, but I was like, no, keep reading. <laughs> yeah, and it says this. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Wait a minute. So if I believe God, then is this true? I believe so. So can I be tempted beyond my own ability? To, not what this to withstand. Says. No, that's not what this says. So either I'm believing right or I'm believing wrong. And then it says this, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Mm. That is the truth. You know why? Because I believe it mm. because I believe in God and I believe what he says is true. And so this is only true though, for those that are filled with the spirit of God, because the spirit of God is the reason why this is able, we're able to endure it. But he's saying right here, he says, there's no temptation that he will not provide a way of escape. So that means every temptation I can escape. I hope the listeners are hearing the gospel right now that this is the power that the gospel gives us. Mm-hmm. That we do not have to be slaves to the sinful nature anymore. Now, it is definitely a journey and that's why, that's why God's patient with us and it's a sanctification process. And first John tells us if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But, but how loving and faithful for uh, him to 
provide the way of escape. So like this people is, need to hear that. This is what's over awesome. And over is, and over. When we get to heaven, none of us are going to look at ourselves and like, and say, look what we did. No way. <laughs> we're going to look at Jesus and say, thank you. Because yeah. not only did God save us and reconcile us to himself, but he also gave us a way of escape before sin mm-hmm. and a way of escape after sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he knows the nature of man. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand. I didn't believe this was true. I had a, a false understanding of the gospel. Knowing the gospel now, babe, could you attest to the freedom that I've walked in and mm-hmm. the authority I've walked in? And I'm not yeah. boasting in myself. I'm only boasting in what the Lord has done. Yeah. That I am still tempted every day. But I believe this is true. And the Lord does give me a way of escape every single time. And I would say this as your wife, just seeing you walk this journey with God and believing this scripture and um and and trusting him it's a testament to the power of god in our marriage mm-hmm. for me yeah and it's encouraged you in your own faith mm-hmm. that you, there's times that you think wrong mm-hmm. and you realize like oh wait a minute yeah i do believe the gospel and i can walk in this yeah. i can stand up under this i can endure mm-hmm. One of the things that you said um, just a little bit ago is you gave this little picture of when you get to heaven and you're going to just, you know, in all humility, you won't be able to boast in anything about what you've done, but you'll be able to look at Christ and just say thank you. And I think that's going to be a really beautiful encounter when we do mm-hmm. get that. But while we're here on earth, when the gospel changes our life and we receive that gift of grace that God gives us, it's not just a thank you. I mean, we praise him, we praise him for it and we are thankful. Mm-hmm. But you also gave this picture of lordship and servant. Mm-hmm. And that relationship is so um it's so cool to have that picture in in relationship to us and our savior because while we're here on earth there's work to do and we're we're moved by the gospel to not stay where we are, to keep moving forward, to keep practicing righteousness mm-hmm. and carry out his work alongside him, for him. Yeah, it's, th- not, it's not just thank you and you continue in what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. It's a thank you, I'm changed now forever and here I'm going to prove it and to I you. And I never want to go back to that life. Yeah, I don't yeah. want it. Because what he's given us is ultimately yeah. infinitely better. Um, and that doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory. No way. It just means that my life in him yeah. is infinite. But the, 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 the guilt being washed away, yeah. the shame being removed, mm-hmm. the new life, the, the power that he's allowed me to walk in. I think of again, Aslan, after he <laughs> comes back to life and everyone's all excited, he, he says, are you ready to fight? He's like, we, this is one battle, but we have a war to fight. And they all run to the castle of the evil queen and they each one start like waking up. Mm-hmm. He says, go into all the house and go into the, the doorways and go into the, the crevices and go into the closets and look every, don't leave anything unturned in the house mm-hmm. looking for the, the frozen, mm-hmm. the, the statues that, you know, the witch turned these people into statues. That's the work you're talking about mm-hmm. where God's taking us along with us and using us as instruments, extensions of his, mm-hmm. of himself. We're called part of his body. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. Or extensions of his body to go free the captives with the gospel. There's nothing else. 
There's no good. It doesn't matter what kind of music. It doesn't matter what kind of, um, you know, uh, stories you can tell. Nothing's more powerful than the gospel. It's the only thing that has power. Okay. So this is all really good. Um, but we do only have so much time and I want to, um, quickly share a story with everyone. Um, just something that happened a little while ago with my son, Elliot, he's um, six years old and he was just putting pieces together. You know how kids do that and their things are clicking in with, for them. And, um, Elliot was asking me a question about how, well, first he started off by telling me, thank you. Thank you, mom, that you guys teach us about who God is. He goes, cause on really hard days, I have my hope in him. And then, yeah, he did. And then um, we were driving, but there was another family on the sidewalk and he asked me if they knew God. And I said, oh, I wouldn't know unless I went and talked to them because I don't know who they are. And he goes, you know, it makes me sad when I think about some people knowing who God is, but not accepting him and how hard it must be for them when they have a hard day. And he goes, mom, where where do they put their hope? And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm paraphrasing this story. Like I, I didn't write it down, but he he was he was starting to understand that there was power in what God has done for us and the hope that we have as Christians. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the hope that we have as Christians, um, so we love the gospel because it's the thing that saves us and, and gives us power. And but there's something that we get as believers. Like he gives us so much, but there's another thing we get to um, look forward to and hope for. And it's going to be something that we're talking about in the next episode. Nope. You got to stay tuned. (laughs) So um, (laughs) thanks for joining us. We pray that this episode just shine light on the gospel for you, that you can use it. Maybe send it to someone that doesn't know the gospel. Use it as a, a witnessing tool. Share it with your friends. Share it on social media and say, hey, like if you've never heard the gospel, this is it. And uh, dig in your dig into the Word of God yourself. Read Romans over and over and over again. See the big picture that's in there because it could sound complicated when you read through like one chapter at a time. But like, just try sitting and just reading through the whole book over and over over again. It's it's not a very long read. That's Romans. Um, but Jennifer, why don't you? Um... So as usual, we end in prayer. So Jennifer, would you pray us out? Dear Lord, thank you for creating life. Thank you for creating us. We're so sorry that we have sinned against you, but thank you for sending your precious and perfect son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins and reconcile us to yourself. We believe in Jesus and what the gospel shares about his death and resurrection. We believe the power and authority of how he was raised to life again and how he gives us new life. We pray that same power would continue to strengthen us as we choose every day to walk in righteousness and not gratify the desires of our flesh. We glorify you, Lord, for you are worthy to be praised. We love you and we confess your name as the name above any other name. May your word and the gospel of Jesus continue to bring people to salvation and a reconciled relationship with you. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Um, If you'd like to leave us a star rating or review, we'd love that. And uh, again, share this with someone and uh, let's, let's spread the gospel. Love you guys. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested, you can find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage.
Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.